Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Donna Lancaster. You are in for such a treat. I love this episode. Donna's work has been recommended to me by so many people through word of mouth and she really is incredible. She's worked as a coach and a therapist for more than 25 years and she was formerly the head of teaching at the Hoffman Institute in the UK. But she might be perhaps most well known for co-creating the Bridge Retreat, a six-day personal development experience. And if you're intrigued by this, you should be because people have had the most transformational experiences you can check out her website for more information but also the amazon prime documentary called loved which shares the stories of 12 people during the bridge retreat as they take the leap to overcome grief and loss in their lives donna's work has been featured everywhere from psychologies to condé nast to tatler and she's now releasing a book called the bridge which feels like it should always have been a book and now the time has come where we get to read it as a book The subtitle is A Nine-Step Crossing into Authentic and Wholehearted Living. It's so full of wisdom. It's jam-packed with tools and reflections and years of experience from Donna's work throughout the years. And I loved it. I have a feeling you're going to love this episode. We talk about grief, but including post-pandemic grief in all its forms, because I feel like that's something that feels in the air at the moment. We are still making peace with the loss of those years in whatever way that might be to all of us. Here is the episode and thank you for listening. So I'm very, very excited. Not only am I in person doing this podcast, which feels very special still, but I'm with Donna Lancaster, who is a kind of new influence in my life, but I'm so glad that I have followed your work and and read this book. I just think you're so amazing. So I'm so happy you're here today. Oh, Emma, thank you. What a lovely way to start. Thank you so much. I'm happy I'm here too. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, you're welcome. It's funny. I have heard your name through so many word of mouth corners at the moment. So I'm just so thrilled to be sat with you. I get to talk to you for, um, you know, a whole podcast about your work. But so I've just read The Bridge. So that's very fresh in my mind. I can't wait to talk to you about that. But before we do, because you are in such a phase of your career where you have done so much and it seems like a very blossoming and thriving and very enjoyable time in your life. Mm. What has led you to here? Because th- people always have a backstory and I don't think people come out of nowhere. No. <laughs> you know, I, I always say the the sort of the thing that's led me into this work and into this joyful place in my life is pain. Um, and you know, everything that I went through when I was younger and all the struggles that I had faced when I was younger, through working with those, through really processing those and healing those is what's led me to come to this place where I feel, you know, really joyful and free, you know, Mm -hmm. and have felt like that for many, many years. Well, it's fascinating that you have been in this space for a long time, but it feels like now it's sort of very much on your own terms. Yes, yeah, I think I, I think you know. With I've been working with people for thirty two years, and I worked in all different fields. You know, I started off as you know as a child protection social worker, and I worked in women's refuges and in prisons, and then I started training magistrates to work with young people. You know, all different sort of lives I've had in a way, and it feels like every phase of my life has then prepared me for the next phase, which is true for all of us, isn't it? And now I'm in this, you know, what I call my kind of midlife leaning towards eldership phase of my life as 55 year old woman and and it really feels yeah it's like 
everything I've ever done has paid off. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm reaping the rewards of that now, Emma. That's what it feels like. I'm reaping the rewards of the investment in myself, my training, my experience, my life. I love that. I love that. And it was really good to hear that, isn't it? That, you know, it, there comes a point where maybe you can kind of blow the cobwebs away and just be like, all right, <laughs> I've arrived. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to ask about the bridge. So I've heard from quite a few different people about the retreat and it mm. feels like it's something that people sort of talk about. And I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I've just heard the name, but now it's a book. And I wondered why now? Why why put it in a book now? Yeah. I mean, it's funny actually, Emma, because the, the, my book agent, you know, she, Valeria, she, she, I will say she stalked me. So she approached me and said, you have to, you know, write a book about the work you're doing. And she'd heard about the work. And then a documentary was made about the bridge retreat. I don't know if you are aware that. So there was a documentary made, which is called Loved. And, um, and so Valeria just kept coming back and then she went off on maternity leave and I was like, I'm too busy. And then, and then a year later, you know, she was back like this dog tenacious with a bone, you know, she was like not letting it go. And, um, and it was really her that kind of was the driving force really because I was like, I'm too busy to write a book. And then the pandemic happened. And so that was the, the, the point where there, I was out of excuses really. And, and, uh, and it felt like a, I've, I've, I've said that the bridge is really, it's for everybody, but it is especially dedicated to, to women and to every woman that's ever felt that she was in inverted commas broken mm-hmm. because that's how I felt for many, many years. And so really it felt like it was time, you know, my, my, um, I have a spiritual teacher and she always talks about sharing the medicine and it felt like it was time to, to do that, to, to put into a book the kind of the core lessons of my uh, 32 years experience that I could say to people, you know, if you, if you follow these steps, that that can really support you in your own healing journey. Mm. I mean, the book, it's so special and I can, it, it's so full of wisdom. I feel like this book has come along and it's like, I don't really know where to start, which is why I was thinking I need to have a focus for this episode. Otherwise, I could just talk at you about the book (laughs) because there's so much in that. It really is incredible. And it feels like how lucky we are to have all of this in one place. Um, But the beginning of the book, you do start off talking about that that time where you were really struggling Mm. and you really go there and paint a picture of that. And um, what was that like to write about? Yeah, it was, it was fine in, in the, in the truest sense, because it's a long time ago, Mm. you know, and I've, you know, that, you know, the book opening lines are about, you know, face down in the ladies loo is an unlikely place for personal transformation, but that's where mine began. And, and, and it's true. And it, you know, I was in the ladies loo and I was about 30. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was that big, you know, that's the time when people do start to, uh, dig it a bit deeper many people anyway and um and so to write about it you know I've shared that story many times first of all in therapy myself and then uh, as a sharing to support and 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 inspire hopefully other people and um and so it was it it wasn't you know difficult to share it was really you know that in, that introduction came to me very quickly you know this is yeah. a writer it was just like this is how it needs to begin and um and I was very clear and I didn't want to change that you know I was I was very adamant that that introduction had to be that way and and not from a kind of ego place but it was like 
because my big belief is that it is down in the dirt, as I call uh, uh, call it, of Humility Street, when we're nose down in the dirt of Humility Street in our lives, is is if, if you look around when you're down there, you will find a gift and there's always a gift, however painful. And I wanted to really start with this, me literally being nose down in the, <laughs> in the ladies' loo at work and it wasn't clean and it wasn't pleasant. Um, anyone that's a bit worked for, you know, local council and, and those kind of lose, you know, but it was, that's where life, the universe, whatever you want to call it, my body's wisdom brought me literally to my knees. Mm. It literally brought me to my knees. Yeah. I mean, the first page is powerful for that because I just felt like, oh, right, you're really, get, you're taking us from the start. And yes. that I just found that really welcoming. And I know that is the theme of the book mm. is, is welcoming all sides of us. But for this episode, I really wanted to talk to you about grief and loss, but sort of in the context slightly differently, I suppose, of not necessarily losing a person, even though that can obviously encompass all of this. But I feel like people are really grieving collectively and individually the two years they lost during the pandemic, even though, of course, we're still in it right now as we record in 2022. But it feels like we having to having to say goodbye to your old self or things that you, you know, your dreams, things mm. that you didn't do, whether you have retired and you didn't get to travel or whether you have lost, I don't know, a year of school or you're like me and I started the pandemic and as a 29 year old and now I'm 33. Um, that math doesn't quite work out, but basically I've gone like into a new decade. Do you feel like your book does encompass this grief that isn't necessarily a other person? It could be like inanimate things. Definitely. And it's actually one of my passions, Emma, is this this association that people have with that grief is only about bereavement and grief is about as the grief expert David Kessler says it's about the loss of someone or something and those can be inanimate things you know and it can be a loss of it can be lost dreams it could be lost innocence as a child as, as an example if you had to grow up too quickly as some children did in the pandemic you know it can be all those kind of more subtle nuanced losses that we experienced as part of living through and continuing to live through this, you know, extreme period in, in our history, you know. So um, there is inevitable individual grief because grief is a natural emotional reaction to any kind of loss. So there's inevitable individual um, grief uh, or grief experiences that we have, whether we realize it or not, um, within the pandemic, uh, like you said. And then there's the not to underestimate the collective experience. And this is the thing that people don't realize is how, because we are so connected, whether you realize it or not, and how that that collective grief that we are carrying as 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 a as a collective living through this extreme time that that carries a lot of weight and that's why people can you know wake up when we were in lockdown you know for myself i remember just waking up and feeling like i had the weight of the world on my shoulders because i did as did you as did everybody else you know and if you're sensitive to your own body and you're sensitive to your own energy you feel that weight you feel that and and lots of people you know have um become very good at kind of not feeling that because it's it's a heavy weight to to carry mm. and what this book is about is giving equipping people with the resources to one recognize it and two do something about it so fascinating because i feel like you just saying that kind of it's validation isn't it that you're not going a bit mad because yes. i do feel like if i'm feeling a certain way and then i talk to my friends more often than not, we're all feeling it. 
like oh we're having like collectively a kind of better week or a worse week or a more anxious week yes. and it's like we're all shape-shifting together yes. and yeah there was a time during the pandemic where I went to the local park and I was supposed to be writing a new novel and I like to write quite funny novel you know mm. at least um quite light-hearted mm. and I went to the park and everyone was sad the dogs were sad you know the, an old man on the bench was sad and I was like I can't go home and write something funny today because we're all sponges and and yeah it's kind of looking at that isn't it and being like that's okay that today is a sad day yeah absolutely and and actually creating space for it and normalizing it and giving ourselves permission which also gives other people permission to say today is a sad day and I feel sad you know I don't feel Instagram happy and smiley I feel desperately sad and 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 afraid and and to really you know the bit that we're not taught to do and we're not very good at is sitting with those more uncomfortable feelings and actually being with them we're so quick to kind of busy them away and actually you know as I always say is if you don't turn to, to face grief it just maximizes its impact i.e it, it kind of hangs around longer and uh, and hurts you deeper than if you actually were able to to work with it and and organically let it do its thing basically yeah. yeah i mean i love i love what you say in the book about this kind of fixing mentality needs to kind of go because yes. i know I'm, I'm at the very beginning of my journey with a lot of this stuff but i'm only just realizing the impacts of the thoughts that i have the impact the feelings i have that impact my body mm. and um the the one thing that i just know is um something i've got to work on is I should be feeling better. I should be stronger. I shouldn't be feeling this anxious. I shouldn't be anxious to meet you today. Mm. I should be just really confident and happy. Mm. I mean, for people that are like literally at the start, I mean, this book is, is so, so evolved and equipped, but I also feel like it's a good starting point for people. I hope so. I mean, that's certainly my intention to be inclusive in that way. And it is that, you know, I always say that there's certain, you know, in the book, we talk about banned language, the stop it language. And I think should, should, should be in there. You know, yeah. it's like this idea of the shoulds, you know, the tyranny of the shoulds and we all do it. And it's, you know, we all, we all do it, but it's really to kind of, um, this is where compassion comes in is to say, you know, today I'm struggling and that's the reality. And it's not about I should feel okay because I'm in a warm house, blah, blah, blah. It's not about not being grateful. It's about acknowledging and validating your experience in that situation, you know, and it's not, it's not the, you know, there's no hierarchy of grief. It's not, it's not for you to say, I'm not allowed to feel grief because my grief is so small because I'm just living through a pandemic, you know, and I, everybody else seems to be coping. I can assure you that's not true. But, um, and what you see on social media, certainly, it, you know, it's not a true reflection. It's just a small window. Um, but it's, you know, the, the real compassionate piece of healing is to say the welcome piece, which is, there's a part of me that feels really afraid or angry or sad today and I'm okay with that, you know, and that's the place I am, you know, and it's taken me a long time to get here Emma, as a 55-year-old woman, but I'm at a place in my life where I welcome the parts of myself that are afraid and me, to, me too, nervous meeting you, anxious coming into London, but rather than going, oh, I'm 55, I shouldn't get angry, I, I do, <laughs> that's okay, you know, and it's, I love the fact that there's a part of me that feels anxious about meeting a new person because it reminds me of that young girl that is also exists inside 
inside of me that wants to be loved. And I think, how sweet is that, that she's still alive, mm. that she still gives a shit? I'm sorry. No, Am I allowed no, to talk? Of course. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That I still give a shit that I want you to like me, you know? And it's like, I don't need you to like me, but it would be nice. And so there's that little girl part of me that goes, oh, I'm meeting a new person, you know? And I, yeah. rather than judging it, I think, I think, oh, wow, I'm so happy that part of me is still alive. It's so true. And I remember a while ago in a coaching session, um, I was watching a live session, um, two people kind of practicing on each other. And someone was saying, you know, I'm really anxious at the moment. Like, I, you know, I'm just like in a, in a world of kind of everything's unsafe and like I can't get on the train and all that stuff. And the other person was like, well, why don't we take a minute to thank that part of you? Because it's kept you alive mm. this long and it's kept you safe mm. and it worries about you and it loves you. Mm. And I just burst into tears mm. because it was just this feeling of I'm trying my best mm. and we all are, mm. even on the days where you don't think you are. Absolutely. And that's, it's partly that that I encourage people to do with their inner critic is that rather than trying to run away from your inner critic or trying to beat it out of yourself or, or, or you know, or, or kind of completely push it away, how about turning towards it and saying kind of, Oh, yeah, like for me, I know that I have a lot of critical voices, much less these days, but, but that inner critic, you know, was inevitable. I had two very critical parents and so when I hear that voice come up occasionally now like my mum was very judgmental about appearance for example and so sometimes I I don't so much these days but say I had something and I think oh I look a bit sweaty like today I did think that I looked in the mirror and I'm like oh you're meeting Emma and you're all sweaty and um and then I go hello mum because I'm like I know that voice comes from history and for me with my mum you know been dead for 12 years I'm really like pleased to see that part so rather than this whole drama around oh that's my inner critic and oh what have I got to do it's like oh hello mum it's consciousness it's basically saying turning towards that part it doesn't mean we just let it run amok but it does mean you turn towards it with tenderness rather than this harshness and I tried harshness believe me for 20 years and it doesn't work it doesn't work so it's really lovely to just go oh hello mum there's my mum's judgment about my sweaty face oh, I, <laughs> oh, I I've love missed that. you mum yeah that's so nice because in the book I loved what you say about sort of digging deep into childhood into your sort of your parents voice but also this this self-soothing that you talk about yes that at the end of the day the, if we can master that and we can be kind to ourselves and we can soothe ourselves. Mm. Because I wondered, that must have a knock-on effect into your relationships, right? Because I'm very um, annoying with my husband where I want him to just say something that will soothe me. I'm almost like, soothe me. And, and <laughs> now. I, and I, like, literally say the sentence, like, you will be fine. You will be fine. You yeah. know, I'm like making him say it. But actually, why can't I just say that to myself? Yeah. I mean, this this is a really important point And we cover that in the whole resilience piece as well. So self, learning to self-soothe is about also builds resilience because it's recognizing that we have the capacity to recalibrate our own nervous system, that we have the capacity to calm ourselves down when we get anxious, when we get activated, that we can hold our own hand. And so it's lovely that you can, you know, turn 
turn towards those people that you love. But if that, not just you, Emma, for all of us, if that's our only way of getting that outside in reassurance, it means that you never build a, a strong core, you know, and a strong emotional core. And, you know, heaven forbid, if that person that you rely on goes away for any reason, this is where so many people, they say, oh, you know, my, my husband saved me. I've heard this over the years. My partner saved me. And it's like, and then they, the, the partner, for example, has left them after a 50 year marriage. And this woman is uh, completely crumbled. And it's because she's never had to build her own resources. She's never had to self soothe. She's never had to learn resilience. So we need both. Of mm -hmm. course, we're human. We're relational. We, it's lovely to be able to just nuzzle into our loved ones and say, yeah, validate me now and comfort me now, reassure me. And we have to take responsibility and say, this is how I self-soothe. And, and it's, you know, as a, one of my wonderful teachers, David Rico, um, he's a psychotherapist and an author. And he always used to say, how do you build your resilience? You sit with a feeling a minute more than you can stand. Wow. And then the next day you sit with it a minute and a half more than you, you basically expand your capacity to deal with what it is that you find so difficult. God, that's amazing. Mm. I I love uh, so many so many things in the book, and I know we're jumping around a bit, but it's it. I just want to like reiterate to people listening: like there is so much in this book. I mm. honestly, I I'm going to reread it, and I'm going to go through it again because I need to take it all in again. Um, but there's a lovely kind of um, side by side kind of table in the book around around being a wise adult and a wounded, wounded child, child yeah. and the bits around, you know, being childlike and being childish and, and yeah. the differences between all these things. And I wondered, is that, that's not age specific, I'm guessing, like no. you can be, a, you could be a wise adult at a really young age. Absolutely. And we all have a, a wise part of ourselves, the part that knows. It's like that inherent part, you know, some would call it your spirit, you know, it's that part of you that kind of knows right from wrong, that knows how to, that, that knows how to kind of, um, do the right thing that, that, that can, that feels pretty peaceful and, uh, balanced. And it's, you know, for some people, they only recognize that in moments, like when they watch a sunset or a sunrise or when they're in nature of any form or when their child was born or and, they, and it's like you're, there's, you're not a gender. You're not, there's no, it's not like being a person in those moments. You're just present. And that's the kind of wisdom that everybody has a capacity to, to, kind of tap into regardless of age and the wounded child part which like you say you can be 65 and five mm -hmm. <laughs> and and not in a good way <laughs> um and so you know if you've done no inner work that that happens that you're more childish than childlike i know quite a few adults like even someone close to me like in their 70s who can have tantrums absolutely yeah <laughs> and it's fascinating yeah i mean this is the the thing with the the that there's no age on it is you can have somebody that's really connected to their their wisdom because they've tended to their wounds so the wounded child will go around and have tantrums a classic example like somebody in their 70s still having proper childish tantrums probably because they've done no work no tending to their emotions wounds and it's very hard to tune into your spirit to tune into that wise adult self when your wounded child has been neglected because what happens is the child will 
whisper to you, like pulling on your skirt for attention. And then we go, no, 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 you know, I'm not going to go. And I'm talking about the part of you that feels the bit difficult feelings that you don't want to face. And then if it it starts with a whisper and then it starts like all children, it starts to raise its voice and then it starts to shout and then eventually it will scream, Mm. you know, and that's what happened to me in that bathroom all those years ago is that my wounded child, my body just went into, I can't do this anymore. My, that childish part of me was screaming. Wow. Wow. And how amazing that it does whisper to you and try and get your attention. Because like you just said, that kind of, um, that that almost anxious feeling or that that thing that's kind of going round and round and round it's trying to tell you something absolutely and we're treating it like it's just as negativity absolutely and that that's the the thing is, is it's so beautiful when you when you realize that we all have that spirit that sense of wisdom that sense of peace we all have access to it and the more you tend to those un, what i call your unfinished business from the past recent or a long time ago that child in you will settle and then you become childlike not childish and so like for me i'm 55 and i'm 5 but in the best possible sense i'm full of wonder i'm full of joy i'm full of playfulness i'm you know i'm really like i am like a child like i go through you know just walking through the park the other day with my friend and it takes me like you know half an hour to get two or three steps because I'm smelling flowers and you know and it's that children do that you know they do that they're like oh what's this what's that oh I can swing on this branch you know and obviously you have to you can't let it out in Tesco's maybe but you you know finding ways to let that part of you out and it become that part of you becomes more and more present the more you've tended to the wounded part, if that mm. makes sense. Makes so much sense. Yeah. I love that. And the curiosity of children when they yes. just ask loads of questions. Yes. Um, another bit in the book that I absolutely loved was um, when you list out all the different masks that we wear mm. in our day-to-day life. Mm. And um, there are so many that you list and it was fascinating. Um, but one of them was like successful self. Yes. And I found that really interesting. So I think I'm going through a major transformation at the moment where I've realized my definition of de- definition of success has like swung round to being unrecognizable to me. Yes. I mean, I think that's, you know, I talk in the book about phase one and phase two of life and phase one is a necessary kind of phase of kind of outside in. So it's like the job, the money, the partner, the shoes, whatever it might be, that you're you're acquiring those, if you like, to get that sense of yourself um, to some degree. And then the, as you move into phase two, and it happens at different stages, some people never leave phase one. It's all about, you know, mm. trying to hang on to their youth and trying to think that these shoes are going to, that they, you know, I love shoes, but it's like, mm. I know that they're not going to fill me up, you know. Mm. And then you get to this phase two where you redefine that definition of success, that it has nothing to do with career and money you know and uh, I love that quote around money it's like some people are so poor all they have is money you know and it's that thing as you enter in the phase two of life where you're inside out where you really nourish yourself from within and then you come to this place where you see life through a very different set of lenses and you really start to see the riches different kinds of riches that are available to us and none of them relate to pound signs not that there's anything wrong with money Mm. not not anything wrong with any of those outside uh, you know additions but they're not going to give you that fulfillment that that real sense of uh completion that we're looking for yeah i know that you've probably seen people go through cycles in their life kind of over time as long as you've been doing this but do you think we are going through like a shift 
after what everyone's been through. Yes, I do. Something's in the air, I feel. Uh, definitely. And I think it is, you know, in a spiritual language, you would call it a form of awakening. I think people really, you know, are waking up to the fact that money isn't all there is and, and there's more important ways to feel successful in your life and there's more... You know, I think we're moving through the pandemic. What so many people realise, myself included, is that they just didn't want to work so hard. Yeah. Because life, there's more to life than just constantly nose to the grindstone. You know, and people like myself, I, you know, I got to a point where I was, I don't want to work that hard anymore, and so I've changed my life. And yeah, I've had to make. You know, I've had to adapt in terms of the financial impact of that. But, um, yeah, I just, I made that decision that I'm going to, you know, I can do without the shoes and, and, and actually just live a more nourishing life. And I think so many people are starting to, to, yeah, really shift their priorities and starting to get back to maybe some, yeah, some kind of fundamentals around what's really important. Yeah, you know, because, for sure. because also the pandemic, because it brought such a lot of fear around loss and grief and the potential for, for death. And lots of people sadly did lose loved ones. And there's nothing like death to really be faced with death, either in your family or for yourself when people get really seriously ill, is that you start to really say, okay, it makes time feel very precious. And you start to really say okay what what now how am I going to live that is honoring this precious life that I've been gifted you know yeah yeah god I mean the the thing I also get from you and your work and the people that buy your books and they, and go on these retreats is like it takes courage absolutely it does take courage doesn't it it takes cu- courageous tenderness I always call it and it's like it's not courage as in the warrior woman warrior kind of grit yourself like I'm going to push on. It's more like a, a tender courage, a kind of permission giving to, to be vulnerable and to soften and to, and to do things that are really, you know, not necessarily, it's the road less traveled, you know, so it's not necessarily easy. But, you know, somebody asked me this question. I did an Instagram live at the weekend and someone asked the question about, um, you know, because I always describe that the, the, the wounds inside of us are holes and those holes are also portals. And we have to dare to face our wounds and crawl through. And if you dare to face your wound, you will crawl through the portal and find that there's something, a life on the other side of it that doesn't actually, you're not no longer identified by your wounds. And someone said in this, uh, the Instagram live and they said, oh, but I'm scared of kind of getting down on my knees in the portal and not getting back up. And I said something like, but aren't you living on your knees already? And this is what people are so afraid of, Emma, is that they say, oh, I'm afraid I'll, I'll be sad all the time. And it's like, you are sad all the time. Do you oh, know what I mean? And so yes. it is this thing of healing healing work is temporary but denied grief people carry that their whole life and it's so painful I did it for 20 years you know and it's so painful to live what I call half a life and I don't mean in terms of years I mean half the life that you were meant to live that there's so much more to us but when we're carrying that pain is we we shrink ourselves we shrink our we dim our light and we shrink ourselves and we live a smaller life than the one that's calling to us and what healing work like the bridge book what that's offering is yes it can be challenging but what if you do the work 
you will expand back mm-hmm. into that fullness of your being. And it's not a personality transplant. It's not becoming, it's not, you know, that's why I'm not interested in that. Oh, new year, new you nonsense. You're not, it's old you. <laughs> it's the you that you were before the world broke your heart one too many times. Mm-hmm. That's who you're going back for, all parts of yourself. And that's just beautiful. Oh. My heart is like expanding. Um, I love that. And um, it, it's actually reminded me of something that really has spoke to me recently um, that I've only just started to realise is that, so I'm, I've um, given up drinking mm-hmm. um, and I, I found it quite hard at the beginning. And what I realise is the discomfort of giving up is actually, like basically I'm going to be out of comfort either way. That discomfort giving up is is so much better than the discomfort of being in that place. Yes. Like discomfort's okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Discomfort and not knowing. I mean, that's the other thing. And it's it's the discomfort with the 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 uncomfortable feelings that we're trying to avoid through the discomfort of drinking too frequently as an example. But there's also for every life, there's a necessary phase. And if we hang around long enough, if we're lucky enough, there'll be more than one when we don't know what's next. Mm -hmm. And the mind loves to know what's next. And there's, I always say to people, when you're in the phase of not knowing, that's a really juicy phase. It means you don't know what's coming next. And we, we need to sit in that not knowing and then the knowing will come. And I know that sounds cryptic, but it's absolutely true. Is it, it when, when we can dare to say, I have no clue who I am. These are the phases we go through. We get to a point in life as we move from phase one to phase two, from outside in to inside out living, where we start to say, I've no clue who I am. All those masks, I don't know which one. I, I, I took all these masks off my face and there's nobody underneath. I've got no, I've got nothing. Absolutely. That's the humility street piece. That's the piece where you say, and that's okay. I don't know. And I am learning to live with that. Mm. And then the knowing comes. Mm, God, that's really exciting. Because I is. think everyone knows what it feels like to be in that kind of soup. <laughs> yes. I mean, I've lived it. So I know that's why I feel so passionately about it because it's like a, you know, originally I was going to call the bridge retreat, the secret bridge to joy, because it's like a secret. No one tells us. It's mm. like everyone says, you know, ignore these uncomfortable feelings, ignore the darker emotions, etc. And it's actually, they are the, they are the secret that will transform your life. They are the secret that will lead you back to that wonder and joy and curiosity of being childlike. Oh, wow. This is just me being really curious, but have you noticed a difference in terms of men and women on your retreats? Yes. Yeah. And I know that's a massive question, yeah. so you don't have to go anywhere specific. I just, I don't know, I, I know that you speak to a lot of women as well, yes. separately. Yeah, I mean, I do tend to primarily work with women. And I think part of that is because I am a woman. And also, you know, my history has been working more predominantly with women. But when we ran the bridge retreat, and when I worked on the Hoffman process, they were both open to everybody. And, um, but there is a difference because, you know, just as we were talking before the podcast, that women are so often um socialized not to do anger and for men not all men but many men it's the only emotion that they can do because it's powerful and considered so-called powerful so so they they women tend to struggle with um, accessing and releasing safely their anger whereas men t- tend to struggle more with accessing and releasing their sadness and their fears they can get angry very, very quickly not all men I'm doing a sweeping statement but you know what I mean there tends to be a theme you know I've been around long enough 
enough that I see this theme in life and I see this theme in this work. And, um, and so it's really often my job has been about supporting women to get into their, their anger and supporting men to soften and, and into their sadness. And that's where the real transformation can take place. That's fascinating. Yeah, it yeah. is, it is fascinating. Cause we're all dealing with our own pain, yes. but it, it, it's, it would be, um, I don't know. It would be strange to say that 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 difference didn't exist because I can, you, you, we can all see it kind of everywhere, like how we store our emotions differently and things. But that's so interesting coming yeah. from someone who's seen it. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and just there's nothing more beautiful than see it for me anyway. I must be a you know a bit of a weirdo, maybe some people think, but I, you know, there's nothing to me more beautiful than seeing a big bustly man that's been kind of you know suffered from the uh, impact of the patriarchy as much as any woman and then for them to reconnect to their heart and to reconnect to their sadness and and then really let themselves cry and then feel like that calm after the storm feeling and just see how soft and tender and vulnerable and beautiful they are like they they reclaim their whole self it's beautiful and it's the same with women when I see a woman get fire in her belly and she's like I'm not angry I'm not angry and then suddenly she's off like a rocket you know safely in a group experience I'm talking about not just on the street and and it's so it's exquisite Emma to see because they they get their fire back they get their power back because women can go into collapse you know I'm sure you've heard of depression described as anger turned inwards Mm. yeah and so when women access and safely release their anger they start to get their mojo back. They start to get their passion back, you know, and it is, it just fills my heart with joy. It really does to see um, people reclaiming all parts of themselves. I love it so much. And I'm so grateful you've came in today to talk to me about oh, it because the book itself was amazing. But just hearing you say that as well, I was like, oh my God. Um, well, my very, very last question then, which you sort of just touched on, but like, what is your favorite part of all of this and what are you excited about? My favourite part of the work at the moment, because of what what stage I'm at in my life, is I'm really, really excited. I describe myself as an elder in training. So I'm really excited about this idea of working with people to prepare them, because if we're lucky, we will all become older, but we won't necessarily become wiser. You know, so like you said, the 70-year-old man having a tantrum. So, you know, my work colleague Gabby Kruger and I, we're working uh, a new workshop we're putting together called Becoming an Elder. And that um, that really excites me, Emma, this idea of supporting people to take, to turn their wounds into wisdom that they, that, that actually is um, to be passed on to the, the people following in our footsteps, the next generation. It doesn't mean people that you're related to. It just means the next generation, you know. And so this whole idea of eldership is very, very exciting to me that you will eventually come to a place as I have, and I'm still bumbling and stumbling my way, but I've come to a place where I have transformed those wounds into wisdom to, that I think can support other people and I know supports other people. And that's the eldership piece that I think so many people are longing for elders. You know, they're longing for, if especially if you come from a, a you know, a, a family that lives all over the world or that you have lost your grandparents or you never had access to grandparents in, in families that were sort of split up or whatever. It's like this idea of, of eldership and, 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 um, being able to lean into elders and trust their guidance and their wisdom. It just, yeah, that really gets me going. Oh God, I, I, that's so fantastic because 
I've been thinking a lot about that recently of how beautiful that is. Mm. It feels very, it just feels very like circle of life, like it magical is. because the, the women that I have been kind of just watching like endlessly on YouTube recently, I've realized are in their 70s and 80s. Yes. I'm really craving that. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes, of course, it's what they're saying, but it's more than what they're saying. Yes. It's an energy thing yes. and it's a comfort thing. And it's a, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not trying to navigate towards that. I just am. Yes. It's fascinating, isn't it? But you're definitely leaning into phase two, I believe. But it is this, um, it's this thing of, I always say that, that with elders, when you're around elders, it's not you listen carefully at what they're saying and what they're not saying. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, how lucky are we that we actually are in a time in society as well where we can access this? Yes. I was also feeling that. I was like, I can access an elder on demand. Yes. Like what? <laughs> like this is incredible, isn't it? And there's so much. We, I mean, we know there's so much noise out there on YouTube and other channels, but there's also so much wisdom if you can find it. And I feel, you know. Th- with the bridge book, this was my way of kind of saying, you know, this is some of what I've learned in 32 years, I think can support you. And so this is an eldership piece for me. It's, it's that book is like me reaching my hand out to the people following in my footsteps and, and, and saying, you know, as I always joke and say, you might not want to go down that road because the dog's shit on the path. <laughs> you might want to go round and, and head off in that direction. And, and it can help people in so many ways it's not about advice it's about guidance and it's about sort of um alleviating unnecessary pain and suffering you know that life can be challenging enough without them having to go through maybe some of the difficulties that you've done unnecessarily Mm -hmm. you know so i really love this idea of uh yeah telling people where to avoid stepping (laughs) yes yes well on that note um you know in in a world where we are in a sea of self-help books Mm. and self-help channels and all you know really want to just make it clear how incredible this book is and how it just so stands alone as such a beautiful piece it's just it's like you say it's guidance it's it's years of um of of what you can give to us and um it's really fantastic and very special so thank you Mm, thank you emma that means a lot thank you so much 